Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So we finished our last 20 in the midst of a couple of really big climactic moments. One, of course, involving Kylo and Rey, who have just defeated the Praetorian Guards post having uh, assassinated Snoke. And they're both trying to get the other to join them for uh, either good or bad reasons. They will not. And ultimately, uh, Rey tries to snag the Graflex back from Kylo and it gets suspended in uh, sort of a duel of force pull before it explodes into two separate pieces and uh, Ren is knocked unconscious. Yes, this occurs exactly simultaneously as Holdo has realized, wait a minute, we're losing all of our escape transports. Let me do like a full-fledged Hail Mary. I'm gonna turn around the ship and just see if I can math it out and light speed right through Snoke's uh, dreadnought and that's exactly what happens. Uh, she times it perfectly. She The screen goes silent. Uh, the ship is broken completely in half. Uh, in the same vein, that causes the perfect distraction for the rebels to get down to crate. Uh, meanwhile, that allows Finn and Rose, who are about to be executed by Phasma, to get away and ultimately BB-8, allowing him to steal an ATST to create a further distraction for them to get kind of in a better position. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, Kylo Ren gets knocked out. And so when Snoke goes to... Uh, so when Hux goes to see that Snoke is dead, he's about to kill Kylo Ren, but Chain, but Kylo Ren wakes up, uh, regains order as the new supreme leader uh, by choking Hux when Hux starts to kind of like bitch at him a little bit. Uh, so now we have a new supreme leader, Kylo Ren. Uh, Finn and Rose uh, are up against Phasma, and uh, Rey has now escaped on Snoke's shuttle uh, somewhere. When uh, everything goes crazy, Finn uh, successfully kills Phasma, and it's fairly uh, non-climactic, but I guess kind of cool to see. And that frees he and Rose and BB-8 up to go and join the rest of the Rebels back on Crate, where they kind of set up for what's about to be maybe the make-or-break attack that's incoming from the First Order. Uh, and as that battle begins... Uh, Ray joins them uh, aboard the Millennium Falcon, and uh, there's a lot of firing. Yeah, so Kylo and the First Order have a bunch of walkers, and they're and this giant cannon that's aimed at the the big ass door that uh, Poe and the Rebels are hiding behind. Uh, the Rebels go out, uh, led by Finn, on those little speeders to try and take down the rust big buckets. Ass, the rust buckets to yes. try and uh, the rust bucket speeders is actually what I have listed in my summary notes here. Yeah, uh, they go out in the rust bucket speeders to try and uh, take down the gun. And Poe uh, po has learned from his past mistakes and says, "No, we're dying too quickly. Let's pull back." Uh, and Finn decides, you know, I'm going to kill myself and go out in a blaze of glory. Uh, Rose defies all laws of physics and stops that from happening. Um, and then Leia literally loses all hope. Well, Finn, uh, he was going to do a heroic thing, and I kind of wanted to ask you, do you think that narratively, though it would have hurt our feelings, it would have been the right thing for Finn to die in this scene? Well, it hurts the... This movie hurts Finn's character. It does, it's yes. Just, it's just he's bad in it. It's unfortunate. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's it, Given the moment... Uh, he should die at that point. Well, and it's very traditional of Star Wars to trick us into thinking a beloved character has died and then make us sit with that for a little while. Yep. And they don't. Like, they rev up the John Williams and it gets really emotional and you're like, oh shit, he's going to die. Yeah, oh, I totally thought he was. And, and then was 30 like... seconds later, he doesn't die because of what Rose does. And at this point, you're really irritated with Rose. and Her dialogue is even worse here and it's unbelievable. Finn is so far out in front of everybody else, it's impossible. How the fuck 
luck if Finn is going full-fledged as Rose hit him sideways and take him out. Well, in general, there's a lot of things we have to take back about Rose, and we could talk until the cows come home about that in that this movie. That physics drives me nuts, though. But in, in particular, given how many rust bucket speeders they have, it's few, by the way, mm -hmm. and how many uh, rebel soldiers they have, it's mm -hmm. more than you might think. How come she's one of the ones flying? And to that point... How come we have any reason to believe, isn't it a little insulting yeah. to us, the viewer, to be expected that we believe she is both a warrior, warrior and a pilot? Because she's neither of those things. She's a mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's completely So that she ridiculous. can fire a gun or fly a ship and that she's expected to and put on the front lines just because she has a name in the script mm -hmm. is bullshit. Yep. No, it's bad writing. It's yeah. just plain as that, bad writing. Uh, there's a, and there's a lot of really great moments and a lot of bad moments in this 20. It's, what do you think of I saved you, dummy? That's what, that's how we're going to win, not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. Ugh, you don't like it, eh? It's fucking terrible. I, I hate it. I don't hate it. I think just because in contrast with so many Rose lines, it's it's not the worst. No, I just, I think it's, and, and that's fair. And it it is the summation of her character to a degree. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I, it's it's a very good Star Wars line. Yeah, but in my opinion, the only like the only people that have any right saying that are people like Luke Skywalker referring to uh, talking about Vader. Sure, like you can do shit like that, or like you can talk about, like. But these people don't know each other. Uh, they Rose has just fallen like head over heels in love with this guy who she just tasered right. like a couple hours ago, and they just almost got killed together. Right, uh, she was willing to. Like she's, it's a she's a bad character, unfortunately. Yep. Um, but Finn doesn't have a lot of good lines in this movie either. Of course, in this particular he, twenty, I don't like "Let's Go Chrome Dome." I, I he don't. He has the best. He has the name of the title though. The name of the episode. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because you were always scum, rebel scum. Is that what you were talking about? No. Oh, they hate that ship. I hate that line. What? He threw them off, all of them. Oh, they hate that ship. Yeah, I do. I do not co-sign on the naming of the episode. I hate that shit because I was going to list that in the lines I don't like. From this really? 20. Because it's it's such a corny pun. First of all, no, but it works with Finn. Nah, I just don't like it because I don't, I don't like the lead-in line that Oscar Isaac serves up, which is very expository. Oh yeah, I don't like it either. I just don't like it. I don't, honestly, I don't know if you're going to agree, but I think the best title for this episode is Salt. Salt. I was thinking that, but no. I like it. No, I mean, I, there's a couple other things I have. All the good, all the good lines I have are short. Um, Let's end this. I have to say Phasma's line, although I hate Phasma and so much. I'll chat about things I hate there, but I have to say her line of that you're a bug in the system is yeah. a good line. I think it's. I think you were always scum. Rebel scum is a is a good. Rebel scum is tight. Rebel scum is fine. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky. There you go. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky. And the way it's delivered. Is phenomenal. Yeah. But in the same way, that's kind of why I like the way that Finn's views it. Because Finn doesn't really know a whole lot per se about that ship. Right. He doesn't know that Kylo Ren's father is Han Solo. Right. That, that He doesn't get that. And so the fact that he was part of the First Order, he doesn't get why they have such a hatred for this piece of shit ship. Mm -hmm. But he just sees it as... Oh my God, Ray's back, and she could not be driving the better thing right now because I know from experience the First Order hates this ship. Right, and it's just like it, it's something that it, it it fits for the character, in my opinion. It fits in the sense that he was Han's kind of protege in the previous one. In my opinion, it's Finn from The Force Awakens is one of the only moments of Finn from The Force Awakens, and that's why I liked it. Okay, um, 
I do have to say Rose's line of that is a big gun. That is, 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 that a, is a big gun. Is yeah. a good line. It's not bad. And Poe's other line, and these are the only like good lines that really have listed is uh, Finn, Rose, you're not dead. Where's my droid? Where's my droid? <laughs> body. <laughs> Calls everyone body. Yeah. Uh, why doesn't Kylo Ren kill Hux in this scene? What happened? The girl murdered Snoke. What happened? She took Snoke's escape craft. We know where she's going. Get all our forces down to that resistance base. Let's finish this. Finish this? Who do you think you're talking to? You presume to command my army? Our supreme leader is dead. We have no ruler. The supreme leader is dead. Because Kylo Ren does not want to have to run an army. He does not want to have to be Hux. He wants to be Snoke. He right. wants to be the man in charge, the one making the decisions, the one belittling others, the one... Uh, and even you see a little bit later on, he does find it a little bit funny when uh, he's giving orders calmly and Hux screams them after to right. the other uh, pilots of the uh, of the walkers. I did yeah. find that funny. Is it a failed coup on Ryan Johnson's behalf to have destroyed the Graflex? Was like... He trying no. to now hear me out. Was he trying to make some kind of symbolic statement with this, which clearly they have all but retconned for episode nine? No, I don't think so. No, I, I really don't. I think by destroying that, I think it's just part of Ray's journey. I think it's an important thing. I think if Ray didn't have any element of rebuilding her lightsaber, I think that's a key thing that that Luke went through, and that's a key thing that Anakin went through between two and three. I think and I feel like breaking that lightsaber, but get but showing her that she still has all the pieces to make it whole in the end. Yeah. They specifically show that, and they specifically show that the kyber crystal's not broken. It allows for you to, it allows for her as a Jedi to get that training component in a way that fits perfectly with the Skywalker saga. She, needed to, she needs to have that to complete her training. Also, how it gets destroyed between Kylo and, and Rey is, is great. Well, it's a perfect illustration. It's a very literal interpretation of how they are equally strong they're yeah, equals absolutely uh and it's also a, an interesting one because it r makes the <laughs> it makes the graphics more like kylo as well because it's like i i was really hoping the graphics was going to um be rebuilt for episode nine right. with an unstable blade i was really hoping for that but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case it definitely does not seem like it'll be the case that could be something that jj is tricking us in editing with and that we will get the unstable blue blade which would be incredible in my opinion sure um but i i think that's just a an opportunity they're choosing to go against because i think it, i think that graflex ryan johnson probably would have done something like that so that it's more representative of both of those kind of fractured characters do you want to do some trivia sure okay uh, i guess i'll start padawan question what are the crystal foxes actually known as? Oh, shit. I don't like them. They remind me of Pokemon. Um, I think they're called silver something. Are they? Is, not, not, not according to Wikipedia. Um, In fact, their name is very Pokemon-esque. Well, they've been called crystal critters at, at one point. I think Finn calls them that. Um, I, it is absolutely escaping me what the, um, what the technical name is. They're called Vulptex. Yes. Which sounds like a Pokemon it name. Does. And they look like Vaporeons. And I just, I don't really think they serve a great purpose other than they're, that they're cool looking. And so 
I guess that... Oh, they serve a stupid purpose of being able to show that they are able to find their way out of, the, which is dumb as shit. Yeah, I guess that that's right. That comes back a little bit later. But yeah, they're, they, not, they're completely unnecessary. They don't look like Star Wars creatures to me. No, I agree with that. That's totally fair. They look yeah. like they belong in... Um, I, I, I don't something even know. else, yeah, I guess. But, but right, yeah, something trying to be something more than it is. They're but not I, practical I, enough looking for Star Wars. That's absolutely true, yeah. uh, and they don't even look prequely. No, um, so I'm not quite sure what it is. But um, my uh, Padawan question here: How many Rebel speeders go after the cannon? That's my question too. It's thirteen. It is thirteen. That's right. So I'll, I'll ask you a different Padawan. Which question is then. which is what I was referring to before. Like thirteen of them, and one of them is Rose. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And yet there's the trenches are full of soldiers, which I understand they're not all pilots, but like, and by the way, I like all the trench shots in this 20 because for a movie with the word wars in the title, and yeah. in fact, a franchise with the, the movie wars in the title, we don't get a pretty iconic visual, which is soldiers in the trenches yep. until episode eight. Well, they do it on Hoth, and that's where a lot of this is. I guess this looks a little bit more more conventional to me. And well, I like it. It's, be, it's less snowstorm, but at yeah. the same time, yeah, you're, t you're totally right. Um, different Padawan question then. Uh, which Star Wars director has a cameo in this 20? Uh, oh, okay. I'm guessing it's not Ryan Johnson. So, uh, George Lucas? No. No, of course not George Lucas. Maybe it's Ryan Johnson. Gareth Edwards. Oh, is it? For Rogue One. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did a switch out, so... Ryan Johnson has a cameo in Rogue One. I see. So we'll trade it there. Okay. Um, my... He was just down. He's down in the trenches. He's like next to the salt guy he's or something. Next to the salt guy. Yeah. yeah. I, he looked familiar. Um, night question. How many escape transports made it to crate? Uh, three? Six. Six. All right. Okay. It's interesting. We were talking last week about like how it's a little bit unclear exactly how small potatoes the resistance is. Mm. They do have some numbers in this in this twenty. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Not enough to take on the first order, but like there's no, people they, in the resistance. No, but you can fit them all in the Falcon. True. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the kind of the main point at the end there. That's a little disturbing. Well, it's supposed to be really hopeless at the end yeah. of this movie. And I mean, they also a lot of these people that we see in this twenty will get killed momentarily or not momentarily i don't know if any more rebels die at this point i don't, I don't know. Th i don't think they do but they've been they were picked off throughout this 20 more than it maybe looked like right uh, oh is it my turn again yeah for your last one i guess uh yes my last one uh what was the first order's massive land weapon known as you already said the word cannon the battering ram cannon oh i didn't hear that but that sounds like you didn't just make it up right now. No, that's what Finn calls it in the in the twenty. Oh, okay. No, I, I read online. It's called the Super Laser Siege Cannon. Yeah, it's Death Star Attack. Even Finn mentions that, which I like. Okay, uh, it's a good shout out. Ryan Johnson does, and a connection piece to some of those kind of projects that the Death Star had. Like, um, makes sense. In Rogue One. It makes sense that they would. They've Sorry, developed. What's it called again? Say it again. The Super Laser Siege Cannon. Super Laser Siege. Cannon. I'm curious to know if one of those project names from Rogue One is one of those. I'd be curious. It, I mean, it makes sense because they Probably. developed all this technology for the Death Star yep. and of course they would use it in other areas well I mean I, th I think that's gonna very much be the case in Rise of Skywalker as well with the Star Destroyers yeah uh, the Palpy's old Star Destroyers she's got parked out there likely are loaded with some Death Star tech right, right. Um, my final one is uh, what are these walkers called oh I don't know we know the naming conventions of a lot of walkers but right I don't know well it's the instance where anyone who calls them 
at ats. Right. The same reason why ATSTs aren't at Right. At saints. Yeah. And these are uh, ATM sixes. Okay. And what's different about them? Uh, they're, it's called a mega caliber uh, six, an all terrain mega caliber six, the AKA the Gorilla Walker. And they have ATATs walking next to them, and the Gorilla Walkers are about. A little more than twice as big. Okay, they're insane. How huge these things! How are. do you feel about BB-8 driving? I thought uh, it, I thought it was stupid. Really, I like uh, it. I you thought, and I don't agree on no, some no, stuff see, in this twenty. I thought it, I, sh- I, sh- I should say this wrong. I really liked BB-8 being the one that frees them, and the same was very chewy, reminiscent BB-8 running around with the head of it ripped off and it just running it just glides it glides and bb8 is able to control it so well as opposed to just you know putting some wires together and making it shoot at the start it's good and then it just goes far downhill by taking it too far as they run towards the one single ship that somehow manages to be untouched and is on the edge of the platform perfectly waiting for them to escape uh from the hangar with which is just too fucking convenient also, also too convenient they were able to make it underneath that giant door as it closes and just the way she says need a lift yeah oh you're, my god you're not cut out for this sister get out of here no exactly go away yes we want more, more bb8 and thin banter <laughs> uh that's all i got honestly i didn't i wasn't able to copy down a whole lot about this 20 that I, i've got a couple little nitpick things we can we can run through if you like uh how much time has passed since we last saw c3po in the force awakens Maybe a week, couple weeks. Well, since the the end of the Force Awakens, yeah. No, because uh, of Ray. No, it's not that long. Can't be that it's long. It's not that long, right? Why does he have his arm fixed already? Like, so he had his red arm for who knows how long, and now he's got a gold arm. I understand that three PO is like a little bit different in every Star Wars movie. Yeah, he should still have the red arm here. Yeah, I don't remember when that got fixed. No, or... of course you don't, because it didn't. It got it clearly like over the weekend. But why? There were better. There were bigger fish to fry. There were much bigger fish to fry. I have never paid attention to that, to be honest. I'm surprised I haven't noticed that. That's a really good question. That's a good nitpick. Um, I do have a handful of take backs and wins. Okay. Uh, so take backs, just the Batman level villainy from Captain Phasma. Uh, like, yeah. no, they're too good for a shoot. They're, they're not good enough to die by like shooting. Right. I want to execute them. On my command, and let me to make this more over the top. It's interesting because what they had was a character who in promotional material pre-Force Awakens looked so cool. Yeah. And was disappointing in episode seven, but we figured we'd get more. And then we got a little bit more. I mean, she does go out in a blaze of glory. It is a great one-to-one battle that the two of them have. It's very cool. Except she's it's very super, stiff. super short. Like though. the army, the, the, the armor she wears is, I guess, ceremonial because it's... It's so stiff. It's not as practical as even a stormtrooper's armor. Her big stick spear thing is just not an efficient weapon in the Star Wars universe. That's bringing a knife to a gunfight. And by the way, uh, she's battling Finn, who has a electricity staff, and she's just one giant conductor. But that doesn't seem to be an issue for some reason in this. No, it's likely the material that the, her armor's made out of. You saw the things just kind of bounce off of it. It's likely some form of steel, similar to the way like a Beskar steel is for the Mandalorian. I guess. Uh, I, I, I don't take any issue with that. Um, I didn't like, I did like Finn's kind of little nod to her like, hey, and then knocks her out. I thought that was good. I thought it was really dumb that she just like falls through a hole in the floor. Because Finn just knocks her on the ground. Right. And she acts like, you defeated me. Right. No, you're just sitting on the floor. See the thing, and you haven't realized that the floor is about to give out from underneath you yet. The thing about uh, the thing about Phasma and the reason she's essential in this series is that 
Of the three new heroes we've created in Star Wars in the sequel trilogy, Rey, uh, Poe, and Finn, each one of them has their own antagonist, and it makes sense that Finn requires one that is separate of the Force, is separate of the big machine. He wouldn't have to answer to Hux that's above his pay grade. He needs someone who he has personally yep. been connected to in his small life as a stormtrooper. Absolutely. But who's Pose? Hux. He, eh. No, he is. He antagonizes. That's, that's how... He the, antagonizes him at the very start of this very, very, very briefly. Um, just to like kind of pull the wool over his eyes a little bit. Like to be honest, the bigger antagonist or the bigger like obstacle Poe has to come over is just the fact that it kind of is he is not Luke Skywalker. He 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 can't do everything. He he's not he's not he's not um undefeatable. I don't. He think goes he, up. He goes up against like Kylo Ren and gets his ass handed. To I don't him. think he presumes to be uh, Luke Skywalker. No, no, no. But in the same way, he like tries to go and leads this big. Like he's constantly his ego and his uh, his goal to try and seize the seize the moment is Poe's biggest issue no. in both movies. No, I don't think he presumes to be uh, Luke Skywalker. If anything, he fills the Han Solo role. He's just more virtuous than than Han Solo. He's the flyboy. Yeah, he's reckless and he can't be trusted. But he's ultimately a great dude. Yeah, no, absolutely. But at the same time, I don't see Hux as being at all his antagonist. I see him being like he—he's—he's he's just in the war. Uh, I don't see him as I, he, the cause is is his big thing, and Finn's missing the cause. I, but yeah, you're right. Finn and Phasma could have had a much richer uh, relationship, and it just they did a shit job of developing it between the two movies because like they're able to get Phasma by like just clonking her on the head in The Force Awakens. I guess, but aren't you glad that they've rubbed her out? Oh, like, yeah, 100%. Because this next movie's already kind of crowded. It's better that we don't have to worry about her. Definitely, absolutely. Uh, but in the same way, going into this movie, I'm not expecting a moment necessarily between Hux and Poe. Okay, fine. You made your point. Yeah. Let's yeah. Just, that's just my personal thing. All right, what else you got? Um, Phasma, just in general. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, what about the kiss? We see the kiss between Rose and Finn here, right? Oh, yeah, and just the reaction on Finn's face of just like, that seems weird. But no, I mean, I don't have anything. Sp- that's they're, She's not talking while they're kissing, so that's a win. It's also just, the, even that lacks chemistry. Rose! Rose! Why would you do that? Huh? I was almost there. You're so stupid, Rose! Why did you do that? Why? Why would you stop me? I saved you. Tell me. That's how we're gonna win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. Oh, absolutely. But like the look on Finn's face, it's like, what what did you do that for? Yeah. Um, she just like kind of like dies right after, but not actually. No, I know. It's just like so the next thing that's going to happen, and we don't have to go into the whole Luke thing because we'll talk about that next week, but the the very next thing that will occur in the next 20, in the final 20, mm. is the appearance of Luke Skywalker to to show up and save the day. Yeah. And so I do find it a little bit on the nose, though I think Carrie Fisher pulls it off and it's nice Star Warsy dialogue, the way she runs out of hope. Do you find it a little bit on the nose? I think way, it's a little on the nose. The way she's like, well, that's it. That's our last hope. I don't Let's think pack it, it in, boys. And I don't then, think Leia would ever be that way. And then Luke Skywalker turns up. I don't think Leia would ever be that way. Yeah. I th- that's what disappoints me. Mm-hmm. Like, no, and I think the way that she's going to be dealt with in episode nine, you'll look back on that moment and be like, Leia would have known through the Force 
who was out there. That's true. And what just happened earlier? Well, she did have a forced connection with Kylo, and she did get still blown to smithereens. In fairness— Does she know that he didn't pull the trigger? If, in the Force, she doesn't know he didn't pull the trigger— then she could have done exactly what Luke Skywalker did. And she could have walked out there. What do you think Kylo's going to do? Blow up his mom? Well, we don't know. Just his mom? We don't know that Leia's capable of doing what Luke does. We, and no, in, no, fact, no. in fact, I don't know if no, Luke no. knew he could do it she's, before right here. She's 20 feet away from it. That's my point. Luke is on the other side of the galaxy projecting himself. And Kylo Ren just blows up a ghost. He just blows up a, like a, a hologram of that's Luke. What, that's but, what I assumed you were talking about. But my point is Leia's just right there. Right. If Luke walks out, the first thing Kylo says is just blow him to hell. Right. If Leia walks out, what is he going to do? I don't know. He's he's kind of in a bit of a state right now. Do we really want to march her out there for fear he has one of his tantrums? He might. He She's not the one. Like They've just lost hope. They have nothing else to play. Yeah. Leia would not just roll over. No, I agree. To her son. No. To let, like let let him kill let him send all his forces in to kill us one by one so that that way he won't have to do it to my face let me let let let's that let that happen I don't think we know enough about this force projection thing though to presume that Leia should have sensed Luke because he's not present no 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 I don't necessarily I don't necessarily mean that I just mean I don't think Leia would have gotten to the point where she would have given up like that yeah no that's fair against the odds that they were facing yeah of course what Luke did is incredible. Um, and the fact that he interacts with her, I like the moment. I like it because C three PO is likely the only one there who realizes that it's not Luke, right? Because he's a droid. He can sense that it's not a living being. Okay, d- does a droid have like an organic sensor or something? Is I would think that would fit a hundred percent. I guess with the way that uh, Star Wars has built canon, I just interpret that personally. Or, and well, the and the wink that he gives him is kind of like. I know, 3PO, you're the only one who actually knows what's going on right here. And I know you don't really because you have questions about everything. So I'm going to give you a wink and you'll figure it out later. Well, and, and you know, like the philosophical question where it's like, how do you know what I see as blue is what you see as blue? Yeah. It's easy for us to... Uh, assume that 3PO sees things the way we do because yeah. he looks and talks like a person, but he sees code. Yep. So it's it's very plausible that he wouldn't see uh, Luke the same way we do. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that he would just kind of, he would recognize... I don't know. I don't. He wouldn't recognize the en- the energy because he's not force sensitive, but he could see the difference between matter and 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 not matter. I buy that. That um, makes sense to me. That's... And it's it's an interesting one because at the same time, the projection of himself, Luke doesn't interact with anything, right. so he has, as a projection, he has less impact on the physical world than a force ghost does. Right. Because Obi Wan can sit on a log. Luke can't even move the salt on Crate's ground. Oh, that's true. And so, yeah. the, but like, I like that. I, I, I see that as just like. Who's to say he can't move the salt on the ground? Like he, he, he doesn't. He, yeah. And for he, our benefit. And he, he never strikes sabers with Kylo because he can't. Right. Because he's not there. And that's why, like, whereas if you're even a force ghost, you're there. Obviously, your, your your energy is there because you can impact the world around you. Whereas Luke, it's just he's just not there. Obviously, the salt thing is ridiculous exposition, and that, it's very believable that it became the meme that it did because it's so goofy when a guy's just like mm. tastes the ground. He should know that it's salt. He he should know where they are. Yeah. But it does serve a purpose, yeah. and it's very gratifying when you come back to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we haven't gotten into the twenty. We probably shouldn't talk too much about it anymore because. Right. 
it's not a very fi- long final 20. Chopping this movie up was really hard into well, 20s. So. as long as I mentioned the Almost 20, then. Almost nothing happens in the next 20 other than what we were just talking about. <laughs> as long as I mentioned the, the, the salt, um, I just want to say that one of my favorite things in the 20 is the, the caves when they're flying through the red caves. Oh, that's another take back I have in terms of uh, wow. I love the look of it, but it's uh, it made me just suspend my disbelief too long. Okay. Because when the Falcon's flying through the caves um, in like Empire Strikes Back uh, or there's flying through the Death Star in Return of the Jedi or whether it's flying through the crashed Imperial Star Destroyer in The Force Awakens, none of the scenes are that close quarters for that long even in goddamn solo where they defy a lot of realities as well like there's no way it's pretty extraordinary it'd be pitch black no way Chewie could navigate anything in there aren't there lights on the falcon it has headlights yeah but the ability to just navigate your way around these giant pillars of red rock right and and he's also not the pilot han or ray is no he's not he's not he's by himself without a co-pilot in there uh, he's and the the scene lasts too long. It's like okay, you're dead. You would have easily hit something. You're playing on like legendary video game mode here, right? And now it's like you've got the c- controller pre-programmed or something. I'm just saying, it's I like possible. I just like the look of it. I they just look think cool. The but... crystals are really cool. And the other thing you mentioned in your recap is uh, that silence when she blast when Holdo oh, blasts incredible. through. Incredible! It's really one of the more artful filmmaking choices that's ever done in Star Wars, but mm-hmm. it it still fits and it's very effective. Yeah, well, I love it because it's a wonderful wonderful callback to um, the seismic charges as well in yeah, Attack of the right. Clones, which is yeah. another middle movie. Uh, the uh, seismic charges, in, in my opinion, are are a cooler sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, because this is kind of like no sound. Uh, but this was an incredible moment in the theater the first time I saw it. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love it. And a lot of people say, oh, this is ruined space battles for me now because people can just do this all the time you want. But I was like, no, there's, it makes sense for there to be a lot of factors. And also, it's a suicide yeah. mission. They're not going to pull that one out whenever they get, they're in a tight spot. And also, when you consider like, oh, why didn't people do that to like the Death Star? The Death Star's fucking massive. Yeah, that would What are you going to do? Like build a star destroyer, spend trillions of Republic credits or Imperial credits to put a cavity in the Death Star. Yeah, that they can fix. Yeah, we all saw the Death Star like half built in Return of the Jedi, and it was fully operational. Right. Like it, the people that have bad arguments on this one, I honestly think it's like it's good luck, good math, and like everything worked out. Holdo was the only one on the ship. The ship was huge. The intention was the only reason why they were like, she stayed on that ship was because it was so big that it was obviously the one that was going to draw attention away and that nobody would notice the other things. Everything does fit on that one angle. And that's why it's kind of a flawless moment. I didn't know this choice was controversial, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Of course. Everything is. Everything is. That's Uh, all I got. You want to wrap up the 20? Um, I love the battleship style folding war tables that they put when they get inside uh, the caves on crate. I thought yep. that was really cool yep. when the rebels are setting up there. Uh, I did like the Porg and the in the Falcon screaming with Chewie. And it's so funny, isn't it, that Star Wars fans at large are very arbitrary and picky and choosy about what cutie patooties they want to stand and which ones they want to hate mm-hmm. because. This Porg, I love. I love him. I think people were kind of anti-Porg when this movie came out. People were anti-Porg prior to the movie under fear because they were the only things getting marketing and that no one wanted another Ewoks. But that's having that's the, the strength of Ewoks. That's the prime example is that 
Y- yes, I agree. That is a fair criticism of Ewoks, but I think yes. most people hated e- Ewoks just because they were cute and they didn't look like other Star Wars things at the time. R2-D2 is cute. BB-8 is cute. We all agree with those are great characters. And now everybody's... Loving baby, like the yodeling. Yeah, the yodeling. Everybody's on the same train there, but it's just another cute Star Wars character. I guess I guess it impacts plot more so than plog, Porgs do. Yeah, and I did hear somebody even having this a similar debate versus Ewoks versus uh, the Baby Yoda thing recently, and, and they mentioned how it was, it's the extent that the Ewoks have beating stormtroopers, uh, like a military, whereas Baby Yoda has, like, he saved the Mandalorian, but it put him to sleep for two days. That's right. And he doesn't know what's going on. He was just like, he protected the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian sold him off. He's asleep. He's just unscrewing shit. He doesn't know what's going on. Well, that and the outstanding big question of the Mandalorian thus far is, we don't know how powerful this thing is yet. Well, but I mean, it's still like, he's powerful. They've already proved that. And, but at the same time, he's, he doesn't have full agency. And like the Ewoks... They're kind of like too good to believe. Like, totally, they, like, you don't have any technology. You're using sticks and stones. But the porgs don't do anything. The porgs don't do anything, and that's why they're okay. Yeah, honestly. Like, but, but Baby Yoda, like as much as he saved uh, the Mando, he also kind of doesn't do anything yet. Right. He just he has the ability potentially down the road. But the Mando's the one who's saving his ass and carrying him around. True. He's not like just pulling out like like using the force and grabbing like the blasters away from the stormtroopers uh, just because he's like, ooh, I'm recognizing that they're also going to hurt us. Well, with any luck, there's really only one more 20 uh, in this podcast where we have to talk at length about Rose because it's unlikely she's going to be a huge fixture of conversation when we do a, a season of this podcast on Rise of Skywalker. Well, likely there's going to be enough other things going on that she's not going to take up too much away. But I think she also could be a better character in this upcoming sure. movie, which would be good. Sure. Uh, one other really cool thing that I would like to mention was I did thoroughly enjoy seeing Ray have a blast at the gunner seat on the Falcon. Yeah, that was nice. That she's was been cool. having an emotional movie. Yeah. Uh, although I have no idea how Ray got to the Falcon, where they met up. Yeah. Um, That's true. But... That's kind of left. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that would be... That would be convenient to have yeah. that gap. <laughs> oh God, that's the problem. You never. I don't want to dislike this movie, but there are some ma- massive issues there with are. it. But there are also some, like I've said before, some of the best moments in Star Wars. So that's right. Take what you, the good with the bad. General Hux, advance. No corridor. No prisoners. Let's let's actually let's kick things off with some posters because they've done some posters. There's an international poster. Uh, right here. Yeah, I uh, saw this. It's lo- nice. Looks very cool. Uh, it's got Ray standing in the front, but uh, there's two Kylo Rens on it. That's one thing I kind of wanted to notice. Uh, there's Kylo Ren without his helmet, and there's Kylo Ren's helmet in the background. Is Kylo Ren without his helmet on the blue side as opposed to the red side? He's down the middle. Okay. He is right down the middle. And as so, Kylo is. Uh, he As Kylo is. And so yeah. I, I very much see that as there's a good chance this movie is going to be a helmet on. Bad Kylo, helmet yep. off, Ben Solo. Right. Um, potentially just to have, like, whereas he wore it so frequently in The Force Awakens, J.J. may have a new ability to kind of play with that mask. Um, whenever Kylo's feeling the call to the light, he puts it on almost. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> to, like, make himself feel dark. Yeah. Uh, the Empire magazine, they had a cool couple cool covers, which are fine, but I thought this was a cool throwback cover. Uh, oh, yeah. Having Emperor's kind of face, like, 
uh, flushed out. It seems very. It's it. I almost, I thought this poster existed for Return of the Jedi. It, it almost looks like an identical poster to something I've seen so, out there. So, but so it's it's a very uh, almost Merlinian kind of image of somebody holding up uh, two lightsabers. It's essentially yep. both lights, uh, Kylo Ren's lightsaber and the blue Graflex lightsaber mm-hmm. topped over one another. Yeah, and so there's this hues, blue this hues, beautiful conflation of the blue and red together. It's very victorious, but it looks. It looks to me like an image of unity. It doesn't look like yes. um, conflicted. It unity looks... against the man in the background, Palpatine. Yes, exactly. Yeah, very much so. And then also included in the Empire magazine is this kind of like cool card image of Dark Ray. Yeah. And so it is of the exact image we've seen of her. So potentially the only image in the movie could be a vision or something along those lines. It looks very Magic the Gathering in that image. Uh, well, yeah, because it, it's it's carved out to be a card and you can see like the lightsabers illuminated well uh the lightsaber i do have to say is and i don't know do we talk about this recently we have the big long lightsaber uh, with girth discussion last yes. week on the podcast that's right yeah uh it is an appropriate one for a female of daisy ridley's size okay it's an extremely narrow uh, lightsaber hilt. I love that. Which oh, it looks slick as hell because yeah. it's also one that snaps in half, like the one that kind of like folds outward, and so it's almost like a baton. Yeah, but something this this thin, even like you could get an okayish grip with it folded in half and just holding both of them because it's so damn narrow. Right. Uh, and so you would just imagine she could really wield this thing around. Would be no pretty cool. kidding. Yeah. A few other things. Uh, so Rise of Skywalker, the final cut was finally finished. They put it in the can. Uh, JJ trimmed it up a little bit more. Two hours, 21 minutes. Okay. And so that will make it and probably like the fourth longest, actually. It's, it's, it's he trimmed it quite a bit. He, he took off like 14 minutes. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. No, there was... He just finished editing it, so it's not, no, I know. not much time left. He uh, said that on Colbert last night that he was like still kind of picking away just the other day. Yep, just uh, little bits and things here and there, areas where like, oh, maybe they don't need that. Maybe, maybe by removing something else, this is no longer as clear as it could have been. And so it's interesting yep. to see in that regard. Um, I'm curious to know about who, who left that script behind, though. I know they just switched back topics, but... I don't know. I don't think he wants to throw them under the bus because I don't think they really did anything that wrong. No, but at the same time, they must not have been a Star Wars person. They must not have. This must have been their first movie. Oh, okay. Because you think that like protocol is ingrained in Daisy Ridley's head? Yes. Oh yeah. my God. Yes. Yeah. I, I know. I, I agree. Like, um, I love them, but I think there's a good chance this was probably Richard E. Grant. <laughs> Oh, that could be. <laughs> or something like well, that. Well, and I just I just think that it is a favor to the actor that JJ's not outing them. Because, like, yes. the, the fans could be mean to this person. Yeah, and so there is potential that they're a young actor as well and that it was something where JJ is, like, giving them a buy in, it, in that regard. And like I, But at the same time, like, wanting to say to the media, I wish I could, to kind of scold them in, a, in like, a, come on, be a little bit more professional way. Or it was Kelly Marie Tran who does not need bad press. Oh, good point. Unless, although I probably, I doubt he would have said, I, although I'd like to publicly out them. Maybe it was somebody. Oh, he said that. Yeah, he? maybe it could have been somebody he wasn't a big fan of, which would be interesting. He wouldn't say that. He wouldn't even allude to not being a big fan of. No, of course not. But in the sense of like saying that he wishes he could out them because yeah. he's so mad at them, I think is kind I of I think intriguing. that's a more playful thing. That's something you say about your buddy who effed up. Ah, uh, maybe. That's a good point. Yeah. That's very possible. Uh, if it's his buddy who effed up, then whoop, Charlie, come on. Yeah. He can't be leaving that there. Not not, uh, not Ray's parents <laughs> is what he had written on the, on the cover. Right. Lost reference. Yeah. Sorry about that, people out there. Although, oh, 
What a good show. My yeah. favorite. Uh, Boyega has said that Finn will have eyes for someone other than Ray and that she will have eyes for someone other than Finn. That Ray will? Their rela- their romantic relationship. They will both have oh. allusions to a rom- other romantic interests. Well, Ray that- can only be Kylo. Exactly. Pretty much. I think we assume that that's going to be a lot of sexual tension. Uh, you just showed me a, a Daisy Ridley rap on Jimmy Fallon. Oh, it's great. And she makes even reference to the sexual tension with shirtless Kylo. Right. She's been talking a lot more about their relationship pretty much exclusively when asked about the character. So it, it just makes sense that that's going to be the the potential love interest there. And but that's weird if they're technically family. Well, they're not going to be technically family. I guess. I don't I I don't I like I don't see under no blood circumstance will they be related, I don't believe. Well, no, I'm not saying that she's a Skywalker, but like we've talked at ad, ad nauseum about their their common connection potentially through Palpatine. Yeah, but at the same time Ray's almost definitely coming like biologically from a different source than Anakin came from. Right. So biologically, the two of them have no connection in right. that regard. Right. Um, just through the force, they have a shit ton of shared connection. Okay. Yeah, but he he's going to die. Like, I don't want these two to live happily ever after. Well, no, I think that I think Ray is going to have an extremely bittersweet ending. I think yeah. Kylo will die. And I think that it will be, I think he will die in a, his character will 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 love Ray in this movie and right. will die in an act to to a degree to show that and to show other things about his end moral compass that we are unsure of. Right. Um, but they will have a tumultuous relationship that will not end well, but I think will fall along some romantic lines. And you think that Finn will probably end up as Mr. John Calrissian? I think so. That yeah. I think it's almost like they're in every goddamn promo photo together. Uh, they've already confirmed that it's not going to be Ray or Rose as Finn's interest. Uh, although, I mean, it could be Poe. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna doubt it for the fact that I don't think the Star Wars community is un- like ready for that. They're not not ready for it. It's just the, they're not ready for the press of that. They'd be sh- well, yeah, <laughs> maybe, but uh, they'd be shoehorning it in yeah. to to make some kind of statement instead yes. of for organic reasons. Exactly, and that's where I don't think it'll happen. And right. so it'll likely be Jana, and uh, she. I think there's a good chance she's a Calrissian, and, sure. and it's been a long rumored thing. And I think that would be a cool. Uh, play to the way that Finn's relationship with Han was explored in The Force Awakens, which J.J. killed. Right. That's right. Uh, J.J. on Ray's innate power? Yeah, spooky right. It's a fair point, but it's not an accident. Okay. So, good. Oh, of course Duh. it's not an accident. And, but yeah. at the same time, it's like everybody keeps bringing that up, and it's it's what else is he supposed to say? I mean, like, at the same time, it's, yeah, we only know two-thirds of the story, people. Stop it with the fucking Mary Sue comments. They're so dumb. Yes. They make no sense. No. Yeah, she's powerful. I wonder why. Right. That's the whole point of what we're asking. We don't know where she comes from. She's not no one. No. She comes from nowhere. She comes from nothing. Anakin came from nothing. Yeah. From nowhere. But did he? He came from nothing and nowhere. That is 100% true, but... So did Luke. The hero always does. And then they rise above. Yeah, exactly. To a degree, for sure. Uh, Also, a couple other interesting things. Uh, Trevorrow came out and J.J. both came out. So J.J. had always planned for Palpatine to be part of the the overall arc. And Kathleen Kennedy said that before and J.J. said that before. Uh, However, Colin Trevorrow did also come out and say that... um, I don't say that J.J. 
uh, didn't have that as an intention, but that was not a specific thing that was ever even mentioned to me. And my my script didn't have Palpatine in it or a sniff of Palpatine. I wonder if we'll ever have any idea what was in his script. Uh, none of the big stuff. However, he was given a writing credit on the movie. And yeah. so that's the reason why he brought it up. And he said, I was very appreciative. There were some key like kind of scenes and moments in the movie that J.J. ended up actually kind of using or interpreting in a couple different ways. And so I really appreciated receiving the writing credit on the movie as well. Right. And so that was good of J.J. to do. And so I think there was some key things in that area. But no, we will never, ever, ever. Now, people, I also don't really care. I would 10 times or a thousand times over rather see like one line from George Lucas's treatment of 789. <laughs> Definitely. But the problem with that stuff getting out, and I, I I, understand Disney not wanting that stuff out because as soon as it's out, you're going to have a whole legion of unfuckable hate nerds who are like, oh, this is better. They should have made this movie. Oh, like the George Lucas one, you mean? Or the Colin or, or Colin Trevorrow. I Honestly, there's always somebody. Yeah, the thing is there is... I don't think Trevorrow has any chance in hell of making a better movie than J.J. did. I, I just I don't think he has the experience or the history. And I, I really think that depends on his next movie. I think if his next movie is really good, he's got fans on his side again. People are going to be like, oh, man, what could have been? Because that sequel trilogy, man, that was trash. No, but the Jurassic movies have like the same lukewarm, if not worse, reception than Agreed. the Star, the new Star Wars movies. Agreed, but he must have some talent. He must have a great movie in him. He must have a Knives Out in him. Maybe, maybe not. He got fired for a reason. Yeah. I think there's a decent chance that he's just an okay director. Uh, and Kathleen Kennedy has made a series of mistakes where she just gets the hottest thing in Hollywood and says, here you go. Oh, yeah, J.J. May had some ideas, but... Here you go. Right. Uh, and so it's great that J.J. had those, but we know Ryan had free reign, um, and Colin clearly had free reign, and so it is a bit of a shame that, like, if J.J. had these intentions, a lot of that stuff that we looked into in Force Awakens, J.J. was setting up that if he wasn't brought back, we would have all just got a giant fuck you right. and had been wasting our time, which is very disappointing and furthers what everybody says oh kathleen kennedy maybe not right fit honestly getting getting three different directors like from the get-go was a huge mistake i disagree getting three different writers from the get-go is a few is a huge goddamn mistake yeah what are you doing like that's so goddamn stupid jj yeah he's not busy he's, he's sorry he's too busy to do all three of these movies it's exhausting sure Get him to write all friggin' three yeah. of them. Yeah. What the hell is the matter with you? Right. Yes, you want Ryan Johnson to be involved. You want him to have this creative vision? Sure. Have him as like a co-writer with, like, have one consistent writer for the goddamn trilogy. You need and a treatment that is sound. Like, I, what the hell? You, you really can't be giving people free reign over no. three different movies that are supposed to connect to each other. No, I mean, and look at what friggin' Favreau and Filoni are doing. And hence the reason why further rumors have come out that Favreau, Filoni, and Regeron will be the, the three-headed monster running um, Lucasfilm, which is the, or Star Wars, which is the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. Uh, but, like, Deborah Chow, after the recent Mandalorian episode, everyone is, like, so goddamn excited the fact that she's directing obi-wan right and the fact that you now have somebody who could potentially be a really great director in star wars uh and you had uh rick famayua who did the, the second episode and dave filoni did the first episode john favreau wrote all three goddamn episodes dave filoni and john favreau are the writers and creators of this entire season and you have a total of five different directors directing in that you need a singular vision you, a, you always do it, yeah i bet you if you asked deborah chow and you said did you feel like really restricted and like you weren't able to express your creativity in your role if she said yes 
which I doubt she would because she's still working on Star Wars, then you said, okay, great. Go work somewhere else Mm -hmm. because Star Wars has an overall approach and feel to it. If you didn't like having to play within the rules, go away. Right. And you know what they're doing is they're realizing that, okay, you need to be able to have people who can play within your sandbox and then you can allow them to do what they want. The problem is you get people like Lord and Miller who play in the sandbox and weren't given anything to go off of. No. And then they're told, oh, we didn't actually, this is not what we want. Go away. Right. Or fav- uh, or Which fr- ends up costing Lucasfilm a lot of money. Absolutely. If you just frigging bring those guys in and say, can you play in this box? You can do anything else, but you have to play in this box. If they agree to, then under no circumstance should they have any reason to ever be fired. It's just very irresponsible to to go to a bunch of artists, yeah. to film school grads yep. who've never had real jobs where they had to answer to somebody and say, here is the most beloved IP in film history. Mm-hmm. It's a blank canvas. Go for it. Yeah. That's lunacy. lunacy. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. However, Kathleen Kennedy has also come out to state that uh, she does run things by Dave Filoni, which is great to hear. However, a lot of these things make it believe that my guess is he gets a very uh, small final pass in the sense of like, you just have to say if anything here fucks up like the galaxy. It kind of makes you wonder who was the, the linchpin in the dismissal of, of Lord and Miller. Like did Kathleen Kennedy go to Filoni so many times that he was like, they're doing what they're, Oh really? Did he eventually like set up a meeting with Kathleen and say, listen, they, they're this. Here's my list of everything they have wrong, because like she doesn't know as well as he knows. No, I don't think it has. Any, I, to be honest, I think it's more to do with, um, with tone. Yeah, sure. Uh, and so I don't even think he would have been in the decision making process in there. And to be honest, I, I think Dave Filoni, uh, John Kasdan, he's a student of Dave Filoni. It's obvious mm-hmm. like his dad is Lawrence Kasdan but he's a student of Dave Filoni like he loves Dave Filoni's Star Wars he loves George Lucas's Star Wars he plays in their sandbox that they've created and it was it was so goddamn obvious as a writer that he did that yeah um but then it's like well then what the fuck were like like Lord Miller doing like visually or things along those lines and so if you got a guy like Favreau who's running the show, he's able to say, you also have to play within this visual box. You have to play within this like tonal box. Right. Filoni says you have to play within this lore box. And Michelle Rejwan says, here's your budget. And then you never have to speak to the three of us again until <laughs> this is done. Yeah. That's how you do it. That's right. And that's how like Jay, that's how JJ is able to have the success that he is. Cause he's, he's been around the block. So he gets it. And so he's able to come in the last minute and, and pull it off by giving us the, the third installment here. And I think it's going to wrap it up beautifully. And that's why we're very, very, very lucky it's him. We digress. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah, I really the only things left are, well, even besides the the Mandalorian was, an, was another phenomenal, the best episode, definitely. The Excellent. third episode. Loved it, yeah. Um, but, I mean, we're going to get into those soon enough uh, by finishing up uh, The Last Jedi here. So I will leave that off in terms of not much to say other than that The Mandalorian has gotten better every episode, in my opinion, and I've absolutely adored it so far. It's been wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, and so there was also the trailer drop and the clip, which for The Rise of Skywalker, uh, 30-second clip, was cool to see. It did feel very reminiscent of Return of the Jedi, totally, in my yeah. opinion. Land speeder race in the third movie of a trilogy. Absolutely. Yeah. There is, like, I'd say a four to one, like, because everybody's talking about it, but there's a solid four to one, three to one split on people not liking this. 
people thought the line was very hokey and so people are already going out of their way to to dislike 30 seconds of the movie right uh and i mean obviously they're vocal online but if you look at like the the, even the youtube clips on it like it's like forty-five thousand thumbs up and like twelve thousand thumbs down there's always going to be people like that yes it is a very weird choice of jj or whomever to make this the clip that was shown in the sense of yeah i really liked the humor used i didn't think it was i thought it was very star warsy i thought it worked but i 100 percent would never have chosen that because it's the humor that some people have felt isn't star warsy is too on the nose is too marvel and as much as i disagree with that if that's the only if the only dialogue you're getting is a joke you're opening yourself up to too much criticism, even though I liked it. I think as super fans of Star Wars, you and I both can fall victim to paying a little bit too much attention to the haters. Yeah. We, we oh, both yeah. we both can get sucked into that a little bit. But And hear me out on this, because there's a little out there. Sure. I don't think it is so impossible that nerdy um, internet trolls who love to prey on Star Wars for mm. whatever reason wouldn't program bots to downvote Star Wars related stuff on the internet. That is very plausible to me. It is very plausible. It happened with The Last Jedi. There you go. <laughs> it, that's what there, there's no reason it had the score that it did. There it's been proven that the score was not great, but that it was I'm not saying it's an efficient use of your time, but I'm saying that probably happens. There's probably a lot of numbers yes. on the internet that can't be trusted. True. However, something like that I see as Star Wars fans have gone out of their way. Yeah. And so it's you're not getting a, necessarily the casual thumbs up or down anyway. Right. And so you're getting a lot more of people who have a solid and will be vocal about the movie. Mm-hmm. And so as much as it may not necessarily be a full representation of how the world will view this movie, it's unfortunately a fair representation of how the internet will perceive uh, the world viewing this movie and how the movie will age in the eyes of the public right. uh, and how it will li- live on in internet kind of rating systems, which is a bit f- fucking frustrating, um, but we do unfortunately get to... S- well, we do get to see the benefit of people being united on the Mandalorian, but it unfortunately now gives them ammunition to say, look, we could be united on something. We all like the Mandalorian, but this sucks. Yeah. And I want and that this gives me permission because I like the Mandalorian to right. be really vulgar and crude about how much I hate this. Yep. And that's like the most illogical. Yeah, because it's like, oh my God, we're just finally on the same page on something. Why do you have to then use that thing we're on the same page on but I'm saying you're gonna to make, be a dick? You're going to make yourself sick if you try and chase that away because yes. it's not going to leave. No, absolutely. You're totally right. Uh, there was a really cool uh, other TV spot trailer as well, which had some other footage, further confirmation of Vader's helmet up close uh, in that same scene. A lot of the same sort of stuff that we had seen before. One shot, though, of Rey on Kijimi with her lightsaber ignited mm. shows her, and this is one that's not really been talked about much. I saw one comment on Reddit, and I was like, thank you, finally somebody else saw this. But the lightsaber, there's a red lightsaber ignited that Rey's going up against on Kijimi, mm. and it does not look like Kylo's. Oh, so you think it could be Sidious? No, no, I don't think it can be Sidious in, in the, for the time, the place. Knight of Ren. I think it's probably a Knight of Ren. Maybe. Or some other, because it very clearly looks like it's a singular bladed lightsaber. Okay. And it like it doesn't look like it's hovering, the, like, like flickering the way Kylo's does, and it doesn't look like it's cross-guarded. And you can see almost the entire, like, 
glowed edge of the blade on the side of the screen in a way that I don't know how that reflection could be possible or mm. that that glow could be possible and also be Kylo's saber. Okay. And she's so clearly like staring somebody down with her saber out, like ready, like in the midst of a start of a fight. So, I mean, wouldn't it be amazing to see Ray fight off a bunch of red lightsabered enemies? That would be unbelievable. Or even like just like even if they're like picked off one by one in this yes, movie. Yes. Like Ray picks off one here who pulls out a lightsaber or like I don't know, like cuz they all have these extra weapons too, but we're we're going to be seeing more lightsabers in this movie and I think there's a ch- it wouldn't shock me if that's the reason why JJ has given us so little of these Knights of Ren is because who knows, maybe they could be they they could be a huge, huge deal in this movie. Yeah. They could be small again and barely like mentioned the same way they were like shown in the trailer for Force Awakens. It'll be disappointing though because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of mystery. Yeah, I mean, a lot. Some people have had some really like out there and very believable thoughts that like maybe the Knights of Ren are are failed clones or even things like oh, that. That's kind of cool. Like, whether it was Palpatine's, they're they're failed experiments. That's why they have to cement their helmets in on them, right. uh, or they're like it's total freak shows. Yeah, and they just yeah. like. They're they're bred for this. Like oh. they could be uh, the Sith troopers. Could be like the the Knights of Ren. Could be what the Sith troopers were built from, or or vice versa. Like they're the originals, and the Sith troopers are made from them, and they're all specialized in different areas. So the Sith troopers have like their different own factions, like the the infantry. Like so, everyone's like skill set is built up from that, right? And it can allow for kind of the dark side. Like who knows? They could. JJ's got something on his hands there that he could do a lot with, and we just have no goddamn clue. So it's interesting. Ready? You done? Yeah, that's all the news. Happy birthday on, uh, what is it, Sunday? Sunday, December 1st to Riz Ahmed. That's all we have for the next couple of weeks for Star Wars birthdays. Uh, For God of Cast 1, as we wind down this season of Ryan Johnson's uh, Star Wars movie, he, of course, has Knives Out coming out this Friday in a wide release. So if you got to cast one in Star Wars, is it going to be Daniel Craig or Chris Evans? I could have sworn you've given me Chris Evans before. Maybe I have. Um, and Daniel Craig is. Let's presume that he hasn't been in like a stormtrooper costume before. Yeah, that's fair. Um, to be honest, they both could be great. Totally. Chris Evans has said before that he wants to be in Star Wars. Uh, Daniel Craig wanted to be in Star Wars enough to be a stormtrooper. And by the way, has comedic chops. It's easy to forget uh, that. Oh, Daniel Craig has... Like, he was so damn good in Logan Lucky. Absolutely. And he's going to be funny in, in Knives Out, too. Oh, I can imagine. Apparently yeah. apparently he is... Like, he steals the show. And right. He, I think he's the main character, which makes sense. But Yeah, he, well, he's the... He's the detective. He's the virtuous detective, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the poster for that Knives Out. All of them wearing different colors. It's so board gamey. It's great. It is. It's very vibrant. I'm very excited I'm for this I'm very movie. excited for it, too. Yeah. Um, but damn, like... Chris Evans, he's it, like he's Captain Charisma as much as America. But like, that—that's the thing, though. You can have him do a lot of like. You can have him be a lot of different things. He's tough in the sense that his face is so connected to Captain America. It is, and that he's so good looking in the sense of like. He's not rugged. He's pretty. He, exactly. Yeah. He, he is a pretty boy in that regard. Um, I think you ha- like you you just have to make him a good guy. Yes, uh, probably. It, it just doesn't really work. Uh, on the other side of it, I think you have to make him a, a different than Captain America. I think you have to kind of maybe make him uh, a bit more of a Han Solo type, a little sleazy, a little, uh, a little bit. Maybe somebody cocky. Maybe somebody uses his good looks to get by in the world a little right. bit easier. Uh, you'd have to change up his physical appearance. I don't know whether you shave his head, um, mm. give him like 
Like, you have to change up his physical appearance, but I also don't know if you can make him not a human. Well, you know what? There's been a couple of Avengers movies where he has a big-ass beard. Yep, absolutely. And he looks good with a beard, but he doesn't look as pretty, and so that might be essential for his Star Wars role. Yeah, it could be something like that. Um, but even still then, like, he's got the, the perfect hair as Captain America. So there's some things you could do. Uh, you could make him humanoid-esque, so he's got some, like, mostly human features, and uh, there's enough... Star Wars races where you can maybe play around with that a little bit. Some tasteful scarring even on his face. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Daniel Craig, uh, fuck. He, he, is, he is rugged. He, and... He'd be great in anything. He'd yeah. be great as a reluctant hero, uh, similar to Han, but more of a mentor, I would assume. Right. Uh, and like kind of more of like a Beckett, but likely not turning to the wrong side of things. Uh, or you could have him. I think he would be a sensational uh, Mace Windu type in the sense of somebody's two by the book. Well, yeah, because just to give him a bunch of action opportunities is not really something no. we're, we're, we're starved for from Daniel Craig. No, but like, like, yeah, some great monologues or something would be really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, even still from that point, I think he could also be a phenomenal um, few word Sith. Mm -hmm. If you go like way, 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 way back, you can make him any creature, human, uh, you can kind of turn his skin white and his eyes dark. It's just like Daniel Craig is a guy who can convey a lot without like a lot of words. I want to cast them both. Sure. I'd be happy to do I that. I figured you'd say that. Uh, I'd, any day of the week, I'd be happy to do that. And they're both open in the sense that one's no longer doing Avengers. One's no longer doing bond. Mm -hmm. Damn. Um, Gotta cast one. I know. I would love to do either of them. I'm actually leaning towards Chris Evans. I know I don't normally say I, I was leaning towards Chris Evans, but I like the, I would pick Daniel Craig because there are more really good characters I think he could be. Yeah. If like, if you got me to think about it for a really long time, that if I had to think of the, the top five characters you could make out of those two, four of them are Daniel Craig. Is that right? I You're think thinking he, of like existing characters in canon. No, no, no. I mean, like if you've got to introduce them in, in, in a way. Off the top of your head, can you think of a canonical character who hasn't been in a feature film who he could portray? Who one of them could portray? Um, yeah, sure. Either one. I think, uh, I think there are enough very interesting Sith that exist in Legends that Daniel Craig could probably portray. Uh, Chris Evans absolutely couldn't be Thrawn. No, and I, I, in my opinion, I know you have an idea yeah, of somebody, but like, and he's already in the Star Wars family, and so I see him as Thrawn. Yep. Um, but no, I think he'd be a terrible Thrawn. Okay. Um, I think there are some other people who you could, if uh, Lars Mikkelsen got hit by a meteor or something, <laughs> but other like, I don't think Chris Evans could work for that per se. And era wise, Chris Evans could maybe work in. No, that's a, that's really tough. I'm not I'm not sure of a canon character um that could be like in a way that's not kind of fucking up the lore of the character. Right. Brought into a like a movie or a TV show. Right. Um that's a tough one. I'd have to think about that one for a little while. Well, uh, people can let us know uh, on Twitter or by emailing us who they would prefer to cast in Star Wars. We've hit a very interesting moment in our uh, two-year podcast now mm. because when we do next week's podcast, when we cover next week's 20, we will have done podcast All breakdowns of every existing Star Wars movie that's start, live action. start to finish mm. that's live action, yes. Um, I do want to just, sorry, interrupt you there. It's a bit of a slap in the face. It's the right thing to do, and it should be buried the appropriate way. 
but um, the Clone Wars movie is not listed under the movies section on Disney Plus for Star Wars. It's listed under the special features section. Oh, bummer. With like... <laughs> Like um, that's Dave Filoni's first Star Wars project, isn't it? Yeah. How, how, how did he overcome? He really did. Oh my God. <laughs> Ahsoka's his character. Yeah. Ahsoka was the most despised character, and Ahsoka is. He really rose again, that Dave Filoni. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's got the hero's journey. He definitely had struggled out of the gate yeah. with expectations and uh, the world. Uh, world-sized, uh, galaxy-sized uh, expectations. Okay, so uh, a, a big milestone reached by next week's podcast. If you want to join us, watch until the end of Episode 8, The Last Jedi. And then we will be going into The Mandalorian yeah, which after is that. Eight or ten episodes. Eight episodes. So we'll just do an eight-episode season yep. uh, of that podcast, and then we'll hopefully be able to break yeah. down Rise of Skywalker. We'll watch it enough over Christmas break and uh, have to go in once with our notepads to to break it into 20s or something. Like Which is that. hard to do by the way. I went to see um Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood the other day uh-huh. so that I could write notes for my Tom Thanks blog. Oh. It was hard. That would be hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well when the lights came up I just looked down on my paper and it was just like hand scratch everywhere. Yeah, no that'll be a tough one. Um but having seen it probably we'll see it I'm I'm hoping oh, sure. I'm hoping I want to see it a dozen times and so it won't even be an issue well send us your thoughts on this week this week's podcast or any other by tweeting us at recorder66 or emailing recorder66podcast at gmail.com rate and review on your preferred podcast app and until we're together again may the force be with you